0: Do you like to learn about random, wild stuff? You know, the things you didn't think you needed to know about, then realize you should. And welcome to Nothing Off Limits, the podcast that gives you one place to go for something different. Impress your next party guest with your unusual body of knowledge. And if you dig the show, get more information at LadyFoxEntertainment.com and subscribe, rate, or review. Thanks. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Nothing Off Limits. The focus of today's episode is the importance of connectors and why some people may have tons of connections yet remain in obscurity while others become icons. My guest is Michael Roderick. Michael started off as a high school teacher and then began producing both Off-Broadway and Broadway. People kept asking him how he did it, so with his combination of arts and entrepreneur experience, he started an arts incubator program to teach more artists about building and growing their own businesses. Eventually, he developed a full-time consulting practice that now serves as a resource for solopreneurs, entrepreneurs, intrapreneurs who want to accelerate the success of their business. It's called Small Pond Enterprises. Michael's also the founder of Connecting Connectors Conference or ConnectorCon and he's co-host of the Access to Anyone podcast with Michael Shine, who was just on NOL recently and I was also honored to be a guest on that show. Oh my gosh, you've got to check out his website. It is smallpondenterprises.com. Welcome Michael.
1: Thanks so much for having me.
0: I'm so thrilled and you know <laughs> we were just laughing offline about how long it took for us to organize this. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so you know, it's uh, it's one of those classic scenarios of no matter uh no matter how much you plan for something or or sort of structure uh structure things uh life has its own uh, have it, has its own plans. <laughs> totally, has its right? Own choices for you. <laughs> right.
0: Life just happens, so you just yeah. have to roll with it.
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: So, high school teacher turned Broadway producer, tell us about how that all happened.
1: Yeah, sure. So, uh originally uh, I was just very, very interested in the theater in, in the theater world. So I had been a playwright. I had uh, I had done some directing. I was running my own theater company. And basically, what I learned uh, as I started to learn more about the commercial producing world, what I learned uh, was that for most people in the commercial producing world, the most important thing for them was credit. Basically, like having your name above the title on a show, or mm-hmm. or being seen as uh, you know a producer, uh, you know in concert with another with another producer so when I noticed that and I saw that that was uh, that credit was kind of the big thing I uh, decided that I was really more interested in getting better at raising money and sort of learning the process so I went to a lot of producers and I basically said listen I don't really want my name on anything right now I just want to get better at raising money mm. uh, yeah so a lot of and they them... were probably
0: like okay
1: yeah just kind of gave me deal flow um, and and they were like, you know, here's uh, you know, here's the paperwork for this show, the paperwork for that show, and uh, through that, I really had built uh, a bit of a reputation in just raising money and helping projects kind of move forward. So oh. I eventually was approached by more substantial producers, and they would then offer me credit. They were basically like, okay, we've seen that you can do this, uh, so we'd love to have you join the producing team of this project or that. Wow. Project.
0: At what point did you know you were like, okay, I'm done with the classroom?
1: <laughs> um, so I was reading, uh, Seth Godin's book, Lynchpin, mm-hmm. uh, which was, uh, all about this idea of how education is sort of, uh, structured to teach us how to be factory workers. It's, uh, you know, we sit in rows, we have to follow instructions. Uh, so <laughs> it was really more for the purpose of, of becoming a cog in a machine. Yeah. So I'm reading about this. And at the same time, I'm, I'm writing to the school where I'm, I'm basically sort of, uh, called on the carpet for, um, you know, getting people through standardized tests and and making sure that all my students uh, passed, you know, certain regents exams and all these other things. And I just had this moment where I was like, you know what, I am a cog in a machine. Like, no yeah. matter what kind of teaching I do, it's not going to matter uh, because everything's going to come down to did I help them get through this test? So hmm. I said, you know what, I want to teach other things, uh, and I want to I want to do sort of a larger scale uh, a larger scale type of teaching. So I said, you know what, uh, I've done this for eight years, I, I kind of have an understanding of how it all works, and uh, it's time to move
0: on. I love that. So it was like taking that skill set, but expanding it to something that was aligning with your creative side too.
1: Yeah, and I I think that we all have what I like to refer to as a white-label skill, uh, something that we have – acquired from the work that we've done, but it just transfers into any industry and any business. Mm -hmm. And I just know that my white label skill is teaching. I I have a talent for taking very, very complex things and turning them into sort of simple breakdowns, simple sentences, uh, images and things of that nature. And that has served me well in all of my other ventures, uh, in addition to the high school English teacher world.
0: That's so amazing. I just heard the baby going. Yes, yeah, she, uh,
1: yeah. She uh, she was like, "Daddy,
0: come teach me."
1: Yeah, she's get uh, you know. She just got up, um, so she's doing. Uh, she she's uh, she's exercising going, uh,
0: her vocal cords yeah,
1: exactly. She and and normally she's not this. Uh, she she's not this verbose. So I, so I almost wonder. <laughs> If she if she knows that I'm that I'm doing an interview and oh, she's like definitely. she's like I, wanna share. I want to <laughs> <I> share. <laughs> well,
0: want dog, everything. you know, animal <laughs> companions are the same way. It's like anytime I was recording, my dog would decide to like jingle his bells on his on his collar. You know, like hilarious. It's unbelievable. So, speaking of teaching and all of that, teach us about connectors. But before we do that, I want you to tell us like why is it even important to to deep dive into the idea?
1: So basically. For most of us, uh, we we have a, an innate, sort of desire to do good in the world right we we're, were most of us you know there yes there are some people who that's not there that that's not the way that they operate but for the most for the most part most people have a desire to to do good in the world and mm-hmm. to make great things happen yeah and one of the main ways that that happens is through connecting people is through making introductions that are going to be mutually beneficial is through making introductions that are going to help move somebody's life forward um but one of the things that I discovered myself, because I became known uh, very, very quickly in the in, in the theater industry and then in uh, the business world as a super connector, where basically everybody sort of sees you as this person who knows everybody, mm. and it's it's an amazing thing because you meet all of these wonderful people from all of these wonderful uh, different walks of life mm. and all the, all these things, but. There's also a, a, a danger that is attached to this, which is that you get so caught up in everybody else's agendas <laughs> that you actually forget about yourself. Yeah. Uh, you lose your identity by helping all of these other people uh, basically expand their identity. Right. And, and grow sort of who they are.
0: You, you used a phrase when we spoke um, over the phone and you said, connection rich, cash poor.
1: Yes. Um, There are tons of people out there. Who fall into this category of connection rich and cash poor? Because most of the advice that is out there, if you're in the business world or, or heck, even if you're in the entertainment world, is around this uh, very, very laddie da, you know, uh, crystal goddess kind of, you know, co- concept of oh, well, you do these good things and the universe will reward. You. <laughs> okay.
0: I've been known to say that a lot. <laughs> So,
1: so the thing is, you know, the universe <laughs> is on its own timeline. So you can't predict when certain things are going to come your way right. and when certain things are going to happen. So if you're constantly just like sort of putting stuff out there and being like, well,
0: something's going to come back the to The universe will take back. care of me.
1: Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Th- then you're basically putting yourself in a position to uh, wait and, and hope that somehow, some kind of lucky break or Mm. some element of reciprocity comes to you. You're basically worshipping the god of reciprocity. (laughs) Right? Um, And if you're doing that, what ends up happening is everybody loves you, right? You are connection rich because you are just like... Yeah, you're helping everybody. Exactly, but you're cash poor because you're never letting people know what it is that you need and what it is that you're looking for because you're caught up in what I like to refer to as the giver's fix Mm. where basically you're constantly giving so you get that rush of good feeling from being helpful and and from giving and that rush is like a drug
0: and just like so hope that somebody's going to repay it exactly. that oh well if i if i do this favor for this person then you know maybe so- at some point they can do something for me but then it never happens
1: yeah and and the thing is if you are doing it it's the difference between a gift and a transaction right if mm. if i'm giving you a gift then there is no expectation of return i i i'm just like i'm giving you a gift and and Hopefully things, you know, work out for you and it's a good, you know, and it's a good experience. If I give you a gift with the expectation that you're going to give me something in return, that's not a gift. It's a transaction. Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. So So, that should be discussed up front. You should be like, okay, well, cool. Well, I'll do this. But then can you help me with this?
1: Yeah, exactly. If you have something that you know already is the case that you, you know, that you want help with and you want to create like a mutually beneficial scenario, that's one thing. Right, it's a whole other thing to do something for somebody and not have them realize that there is something that you want them to do, Mm -hmm. and then go back to them and 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 basically use that, you know, the fact that you help them as leverage. Right. (laughs) Try and get them to do. Right. That's yucky. yeah, and we've all been on the receiving end of that BS, right? Like, hey, right?
0: remember when I did this thing for you? Well, uh, so I'm cashing in my coins now, you know? Exactly, yeah.
1: exactly. And and the way that I look at it is it's more along the lines of, uh, you know, you sort of, you build credibility, right? So you're helping people, you're supporting people, and you build credibility, and everybody is going to make their own decision about how they want to help you and what they want to do. And all you can do is let them know what your challenge is and what you're trying to work on and ask them if they have any ideas, if they have any thoughts. I Mm -hmm. always tell people the worst thing you can do is go to somebody that you barely know and ask them directly for something because what it does is it engages the fight or flight response in the brain. We want to say yes or no as quickly as possible. It's like we're in the wild and you're trying to steal our food. <laughs> if you're asking us directly, it just doesn't work.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know? So, uh, so yeah. this is actually a really nice segue because you said that there are specific steps that people can take, in order to create a good vibe around this connection, this idea of creating a connection network. Um, so, so walk us through those.
1: Sure, sure. Um, so the first one uh, is uh, what I refer to as confronting myths, and and basically the idea of the first one is is you have to have an understanding of kind of who you are and what you want before you start going out to your network, right? Um, and having those uh, and having those conversations. So so that's the very first thing is that you have to start to confront your myths, and the four myths that I talk about for the most part within this are competition where you believe that you're competing with somebody else, discovery where you're believing that somebody is discovering you or sort of finding you, Uh, the deus ex machina where you believe one thing will solve all of your problems, and stasis where you believe that working harder uh, is going to solve your problem. Mm -hmm. So if you're buying into any of those, uh, if you're buying into any of those myths, it's going to actually change the way that you interact with the world. Because if you believe in competition, then there are people that you're going to basically kind of keep out of your life. If, you believe in discovery, you're going to be waiting around hoping that somebody finds you. Uh, if you believe in the deus ex machina and the and the belief that one thing will solve all your problems, then you're always going to be in this place of hoping for that big win and if the big win doesn't happen, you're going to be crushed. Mm. Uh, and if you're in the, if if you're buying into the myth of stasis, you're going to work yourself into the ground because you're just thinking that the only way to solve your problem is to just keep working harder to do more to meet more people. Wow. So
0: how do you, I mean, well, obviously that takes some self-reflection to be like, okay, what have I been doing? Mm -hmm. But then, and then getting over that before you can create more success for yourself.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So you have to you have to just be aware of which of those which of those things you resonate mm-hmm. with so that when you're having your when you're interacting with others you get that you you sort of get that sense, right? Yeah, and, and
0: also you'll be able to pinpoint what the other person's issue is. <laughs> exactly. Oh wow, this person's totally competing with me. All right, yeah. I think I'll go elsewhere.
1: Exactly. You have, you know, you start to get that, you start to get that vibe. And then once you have that understanding of yourself, then you can start to answer the question of what it is that you actually want right like what are you trying to do in the world what are you trying to what are you trying to accomplish and then once you have that clear sense of who you are you can take the next step which is curating and basically in the curating process what you do is you take the time to figure out who should be in who should be in your life and who shouldn't and the way I break this down is that you basically have uh, four types that you're going to encounter and in many cases we will uh, change types over over the course of our lives mm-hmm. there there are sort of different elements of this so the first uh, type is the advocate and that's the person who is the thoughtful giver the person who's helping you they're as invested in your success as you are in theirs and they're great great People now, the thing about your advocates, those people in your life, once you sort of recognize who they are, is that they go back, going back to the givers fix idea. They will be awful at advocating for themselves. Mm-hmm. So it's your job to spend the time to get to know them better, uh, because that's the only way you're going to figure out what it is that they actually need. You're going to have to go to them and ask, because they're almost never going to come and ask you. Wow. Uh, but these people are going to be always helping you and supporting you. And and this is where the challenge is. If you yourself are an advocate, you have to be very, very careful, because if, you, if you're always helping people and always providing all sorts of opportunities, what happens is that you're educating people to, to think that you need nothing. Because oh. how could you possibly be, you know, so magnanimous um wow. at any needs?
0: Wow. That's right? that's deep. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, so so the next uh, the next category are the boomerangs and these are the people who uh, are very very transactional uh, so uh, going back to what we were talking about with the person who like comes to you and asks you a favor or is always like if I do this for you you'll do this for me mm-hmm. those folks are really really difficult to uh, spend time with because you basically add time every time you interact with them because it's not only the, the time that you're spending with them in the immediate Uh, time right now it's also going to be whenever the heck it is that they decide to come back to you and ask for that other thing. Mm. Whenever that next transaction sort of moment comes that's more time that's going to be taken away from you. Wow. So you have to have an understanding of, you know, which which of those people in your life sort of fall into that transactional category, because you're basically going to have to budget for the fact that this isn't the only time you're going to interact with them. So it's not like
0: you can't interact with them. It's just understanding the different types.
1: Exactly. And
0: then knowing how to manage those.
1: Yes, exactly. Um, and then the C's are the celebrities. And the interesting thing about celebrity is that everybody's a celebrity to somebody, but celebrity is relative to everybody. So so the thing is, for you, you may know somebody really, really well, and they're a, a buddy of yours, you hang out, but to one of your friends, that person is a celebrity, mm-hmm. because they, they heard their, you know, they, they maybe heard their podcast, or, or they've read a book that they've written, or they work at a certain company that and they have a job title that that's the job title that that person normally sells to. So it's really important for you to understand who are the people within your your network who fall into that Mm. category,
0: who everybody wants to get through you to.
1: Exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, Because there's two sides of this. One is you have to be very, very sparing with how those introductions are made, because these people basically have a very, very small window of time to interact with others and and to take introductions and and all of those different types of things, but on the flip side, you also have to have an understanding of how you respect that person's time, right? Because it's very very easy when you meet somebody and you really think they're fantastic, but they have that sort of higher level uh, to them, that level of celebrity. It's very easy to get caught up in this idea of well, well, now we're friends, so I'm gonna text you like five times, mm-hmm. and you know. And, and be your buddy, and all these different types of things. And for these people, they're moving through their life so quickly uh, that they often uh, do not have the time to spend just sort of like lounging, right? Yeah. Or having long conversations. Yeah. So, being able to respect that is so, so important. Mm-hmm. Uh, Understanding who those people are in your, you know, in your network and sort of in your life. And then the last group are uh, the Ds, which are the drains. And the drains are the people who, they're at a point in their life where they really can't think of giving right now because they are, they're in a very, very strong state of need. And I, and I say this because often people will refer to this category as the takers or like the energy vampires and (laughs) all other, all of these other sort of horrific terms. But the fact of the matter is, every single one of us at at some point in our life has had to be a drain because we are going through something so emotionally intense and so powerful that we can't even think about giving right now. Right. The only thing can do is is receive. So it's important for you to understand where those people those people are. And yes, there are going to be some people who that's just their nature. They are very drain like. They they mm-hmm. love to just sort of soak up as much as they can. Yeah. That's kind of who they are. But on the flip side, there's also people who that's not really who they are, but that's who they are right now.
0: Right, temporary. Yeah, mm-hmm. Exactly.
1: And what it comes down to for you as the you know as the person who's developing the relationships, it again comes to your time allocation. You're enabling somebody who is going through uh, a really, really difficult time by just sort of throwing boatloads of your time at them oh, because yes. now you become their deus ex machina. Yeah, right? I've now done you, that. Yeah.
0: I've absolutely done that. I've made that mistake. I've put a lot of time into being there for somebody. And it was a business contact, too. Just a lot of time, like listening and giving feedback and my ideas. And and then I realized, wow, like, I think I've spent a total of like 12 or 15 hours on the phone with this person this week.
1: Yeah. Yep. Exactly. And
0: what did I get again?
1: Mm. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. And, and it's one of those things where it's it's just so important for you to be able to sort of allocate allocate your time yes and, and really figure out where are you investing it and how much of that time are you investing with which types of with which types of people. Mm-hmm. And you ideally want to spend the most time with your advocates because you can really start to build stronger relationships and and, and make more happen. Um, so so that leads to the third step. Once you've done that curating and you have an understanding of who who's in your network, now you actually have to cultivate it, right? Now you actually have to make something happen with that community that that you have, and that's where that comes down to a, a process I call the gate strategy, which uh, gate is for give, ask, thank, and experiment. Hmm. So
0: give, basically, ask, thank, and experiment.
1: Okay. Yep. So basically what you do is rather than having a network, you create a relationship ecosystem where you are consistently balancing giving without expectation of return asking for things that you need, like letting people know what it is that you need, thanking people appropriately, taking the time to let them know like what they did and what it meant and experimenting with your social system. So actually testing the way that you write emails, the way that you have one-on-ones, the language that you use. And the more that you're doing this and you're constantly sort of testing and trying out these different things, what it does is it creates a flow in the network as opposed to uh, sort of a, Uh, uh, one side gets more heavy than the other, Mm -hmm. right? Um, So... If you're doing a ton of giving, you can basically say like, you know, what kind of asking am I doing? And you can start to balance it out so so that you're not in that place of connection rich and cash poor because you are educating people on what it is that you need. You're helping them sort of understand understand that concept. And when you have that relationship ecosystem and you have that flow, you'll notice that there's, there's this nice sort of uh, element of things are always kind of popping up people are making introductions for you people are saying thank you mm-hmm. it's going it's it's moving because you've made the choice to not make it only one way right you've okay. made the choice to to let people know that there are things that you need and let people know that there are things that you can help with and let people know that you appreciate what they've done and you're testing all of these things to sort of optimize that process I love that
0: thank you and it's probably hard to keep a stay on the outside and see this, right? While you're in the middle of it all. So it takes some time to like really assess, you know, what, okay, let me step back for a second and see who did I talk to this week and, and what all of that looks like. Because when you're in the middle of it, you're not really looking at it in a structured way like this
1: exactly exactly so so the metaphor that I often use is the the idea of sort of like opening close the gate like every day you you have your give your ask your thank and your experiment and then at the end of the day you ask yourself like what did I learn from each of those things mm. uh, because you'll learn a lot from uh, just all of these different instances of doing these actions. You start to figure out, wow, when I give to these people, they really are advocates. So it's a very different type of interaction when I give to these boomerangs, you know. And you start right. to notice all of these elements, and then you start to be able to say, okay. This is where I need to invest this time. This is where I need to kind of hold off a little bit, you know, and then you start to figure out how to manage all of that because you're being reflective. Because one of the most important things is that doing creates data and data can be tracked. So you can use data to find patterns and then figure out, okay, based on these patterns, this is the way that I should operate now. Mm-hmm. It's you like always, sales. Yeah. Exactly. It totally
0: is. <laughs> how many calls am I making this week? And, yep. you know, how many uh, appointments did I set? <laughs> yep. And how many deals did I bring in? Yeah. It's very interesting. Yeah. There are more steps, though, right?
1: Yes. Yes, there are. Um, so the fourth, uh, the fourth step is cross-pollination. And this is the difference between a networker and a connector. So um, cross-pollination has to do with this idea of, I call it being Prometheus, right? So you bring something different to your industry, or you bring a different level of person to the level of person that you're meeting. So everybody who's a networker basically operates on the horizontal. They're always introducing people at the same level, mm-hmm. uh, or or slightly below a lot of the time, and they're doing it uh, basically out of ego. So you've all you've encountered that sort of networky person who's like, "Let me introduce you to these seven people," um, and none of these people are really helpful, right? Um, they're they're all either like asking for things from yes. you. Yes. Yes. This is why
0: I've stopped going to networking events. You know that I just stopped going because I was like, man, every time I go to this, I spend a couple of hours and I just meet a bunch of people. I, you know, I give cards, they give cards, and then they just end up asking me for a bunch of stuff. And you know, it just doesn't even make any sense.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and I always tell people if the word networking is in the event, like if somebody has used the word networking in the description of the event, don't go. <laughs> so I just don't go. I love it. Because <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that's what everybody, you know, on everybody's mind, that's what they're thinking. Yeah, they're time waster. Yeah, exactly. Um, So the thing is, if you're a connector and you're cross-pollinating, what you're doing is now you're thinking on a vertical. And you're saying, okay, who is somebody who's at a higher level, even than me, that I could introduce to somebody who's either at my level or even lower and basically help uh, be kind of like a talent scout for that Mm -hmm. person, right? Right. Uh, and it changes the way that people see you because you're bringing something new to them. People love it when you discover something and bring it to them. Yeah. And you say, hey, have you ever heard of this? You know, it's a, it's, it's an amazing way to just like ignite a conversation and really create a lot of opportunity for people. And that's mm-hmm. what connects. Do. they find uh, the, you know they find these holes in these in these industries they find these challenges that people are having and they say okay this person can fill that hole mm-hmm. this person can talk about that thing this person can solve you know this particular issue so they're always uh, constantly sort of solving those problems and making that happen and that's how you event once you hit step four you're known as a connector so so then people are like wow, you know, this person has a great network and they're a connector and and this is where the danger happens because at this step if you are only known as a connector then nobody will recognize you for anything else that you do. Oh,
0: I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yep. Yep. This is what, well, it goes back to step two. Like when you're curating, it's like, okay, like, okay, this person, and then thinking about them and then being like, well, how have they helped me? And then kind of taking it back to yourself and what you want.
1: Yep. Yeah. So, so the thing is, once you are seen as a connector, if that's all you're seen as, there are tons of people in the world who, in many cases, uh, not no fault of their own, just because of the way our brains work, we, we look for shortcuts, they will see you as a tool only yes right yes they will, that's the person who knows everybody so i i have no idea what they do i have no idea how they make money but i can go to them anytime yeah and ask them for somebody that i should i should get to know
0: did you find yourself being a tool <laughs> oh, yes.
1: In in many cases, when uh, when I was first getting started in, in all of this, uh, I had lots of instances where basically it was other people's agendas. And I was always kind of helping make those things happen. Mm-hmm. And that was the challenge, was that the fact that basically everybody saw me as a great connector. And I yeah. was so excited about the fact that everybody saw me as a great connector. But there was nothing that I was... You know, when I was trying to sell uh, consulting services or do any of those types of things, I had no uh, sort of package around it, right? Because everybody knew me as a connector. So it was one of those things where uh, because they couldn't really define what it was that I did. Or sort of how it solved, uh, you know, how it solved other people's problems. I was mostly just known as that really nice guy who helped a lot of people. Who helps a lot mm. of people, but nobody kind of knew what I did. So
0: this might be going on a little tangent, but like, what do you do to set a boundary? Do you just start saying no?
1: I mean, you definitely have to. Once you start to hit a capacity, you have to say no because that's the only way you get your time back, right? If you say yes, you're basically taking your, like, if you imagine your time as like money in a bank, you are making a ton of withdrawals every time you say yes. Right. So you have to say no in order to make some deposits. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you're going to go in the negative. Yeah. Right. Um, so Wow. Yeah, I,
0: I'm yeah. obviously sitting here and I'm sure everyone out there listening is doing the same thing. I'm like thinking about specific situations with mm-hmm. specific people who are like, you know, demanding a lot of my time to work on certain projects. But I, I really have to take a step back and, and see like, what is this going to do for me? And does this make sense for me to invest time into this? Or is this just solely this person's agenda? And I'm just here to help them because they know that I have a skill set that can.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's one of those things where you I I, I'm not saying to anybody, you know, I'm not saying to anybody don't help. Right. But what I am saying is that you have to guard your time in order to be helpful. Right. Because if you're not if you're if you're not guarding your time, if you're not paying attention and if you're not only deciding on the things that really fit for you, uh, what you're doing is you're doing a disservice to everybody else because you're uh, the metaphor that I like to use is uh, if you've ever had watered down orange juice, it really tastes freaking awful right <laughs> it, it, If somebody takes like orange juice and they pour like half of it in a pitcher and then they cut it with water Ugh, which, uh, it's like I tang. A, yeah I, I had a girlfriend who used to do that and it was it was God really all. why yeah, it, it, their their family was obsessed with the fact that that was how they would save money
0: right okay like, oh, well yeah, people know, do that with their soap too. They, yeah. they add water to it. There's like a little smidgen of actual soap left.
1: Exactly. <laughs> so, so the thing is, like, that's what you're doing, right? If you're constantly, if you're constantly giving everybody your time without any respect for your own, what ends up happening is all of your work is is just sort of uh, watered down. Wow. Because you don't have the energy.
0: You know what? I'm gonna put a the little soap dispenser that is just mostly water uh-huh. and by my desk. remind remind me yeah yeah
1: so so the thing is you know if you're doing that kind of stuff and you're and you're constantly uh, and you're constantly sort of um helping all all of these people but you have no idea kind of what your trajectory is and what you're and what you're trying to do uh it's a it's a great place to hide for a lot of people like if you don't want to face like what it is that you want for yourself in the world Mm. it's a it's an awesome escape hatch to go and basically you know, help all of these other people and, and create sort of this, like, um, you know, I'm just helping the rest of the world kind Mm -hmm. of lifestyle. Uh, But I have a friend, I have a friend who, uh, is a coach and he, he has a saying that, you know, Superman has a pretty shitty job. Um, and it's, it's totally true. Right. If you are the person who is constantly going around and your job is to basically save everybody that you can possibly think of saving, it's not like you have any time for
0: yourself. Yeah. It's like the, a know? weird psychological twisted thing about procrastination. It's like, oh, well, I'll just do this and this makes me feel good. But it's avoiding your own stuff.
1: Yep. Exactly. Wow.
0: It'll just start <laughs> to
1: push, yeah, exactly. It'll, it'll, it'll just sort of push away. So one of the frameworks that I use that really helps me with this is I call it the, um, the opportunity coincidence gift framework. Uh, and basically if somebody comes to me with something that they, that, I consider an opportunity, I look at it and I say, okay, is this something that I can devote my time to that's really in line with what I'm trying to, what I'm trying to do? And do I feel like I have the time to really, really devote to it? If, if all of those things are correct, then it's an opportunity. Okay. If I can't really devote the time to it, it doesn't really tie into what I'm trying to accomplish. It's not an opportunity. It's a coincidence that this mm-hmm. person came, right? Okay. Like and that's actually
0: great because then you have a way of of deciding whether or not you can say yes or no.
1: Exactly, exactly. And the way that I handle it is if a coincidence comes my way and I know that I can't do something with that coincidence personally because it's not an opportunity for me, I turn it into a gift. So I think who else in my network, in my world, is looking for this kind of opportunity hmm. and I will recommend them or I will send them that opportunity because yes. they have the
0: time yes. to handle it. That's so I funny. Don't. That's so great. Um, an example, of just again, thinking personally, because it's all about me, Michael. Of course. We <laughs> <laughs> We're always thinking about ourselves, right? Yeah. Well, I was just thinking like there have been people who have reached out to me and they're like, hey, I have this job opportunity or I have this like, you know, business development job or something. And it's just like not something that I'm interested in right now or... Or it's not a fit for me but I always do exactly what you just said I always try to think of somebody I can refer for it yep. so that's really interesting it was instinctive but I love that it's now I know that it's like this thing It's an actual thing that you should be doing, so I'm glad I'm doing the right thing.
1: (laughs) Yeah, totally, totally, and it's and and it's one of those things where it's a great way to basically stay top of mind with the people in your network because you're basically coming to them with something out of the blue in many cases, and like maybe you guys haven't talked in a while, but it it reignites that relationship almost immediately. Totally. Right. Even Mm -hmm. though you might not have seen that person two, you know, two, three years, whatever it is, if you come to them with something that can really help them and move things forward and you pass that opportunity along they'll remember you oh heck it. yeah you know really really powerful yes definitely um, that's awesome so, yeah so so there's two more um, okay so so, so the six um, steps yep six steps so the uh, the next step which basically gets you out of this realm of only being a connector and only being known as being a connector is the step that I refer to as creating a referable brand, and a lot of people talk about brand from the standpoint of differentiation. So there's a lot around sort of like, well, how are you different from everybody else that's out there? But what very, very few people ever discuss is the aspect of memory when it comes to brand. So how have you crafted the message that you have so that it's actually easy for people to remember Mm -hmm. and teach to other people? And if you've ever watched, you know, uh, you know, different TED talks, right? If I mention uh, a particular popular TED talk, most of the time, if I reference that TED talk, you can tell me something very, very specific about it. Whether or not the person created an image, whether or not they used a per- certain ter- terminology, or they did something on stage, there was something that was easy enough for you to remember that you would share it with your friends. Mm-hmm whereas there's tons of talks that none of that is in place there are no memory devices in place for the content so the talks don't do as well because nobody's going to share that with their friend because they're not going to remember it correctly Mm -hmm. and they're going to look awkward
0: okay so a referable brand so something that's memorable about you that people could easily recognize and then share with somebody else
1: exactly exactly so if you create that and you make that you you basically help people understand like who you are like what you you know who you serve and and some framework something that you've developed some piece of your own like intellectual property people will then use that and share it with their friends mm-hmm. right so so i've i've outlined a bunch of frameworks on this uh, on this podcast right so there will be people who will think about the a b c d and they'll explain it to somebody and in many cases they'll say well i heard it on this podcast and it will refer back to me
0: very smart
1: so, thank you uh, <laughs> so, so no,
0: but i mean like I'm, yeah. I'm making notes galore over here i'm sure everybody listening is like wow this is like chock full of tips i didn't expect to get all this
1: um so yeah so so basically um you know you do that kind of uh you do that work for yourself and it will make it so that you're not just known as a connector Mm -hmm. and then you can finally go to the very last step
0: well wait before we get there what was the thing that was your defining piece that made you you know stop being looked at as a as just a connector
1: Sure. Um, my defining thing was this aspect of combining these worlds of relationship building and messaging. Okay. So, so basically, what I what I really kind of hinged onto was that there are all these good people in the world. There are all these thoughtful givers out there who are in relative obscurity, and I help these thoughtful givers develop the tools to become thought leaders. Mm-hmm. So, so they can see that. And you know, once somebody sees that, once somebody sees that you can help them with a particular trajectory, it's easier for you to sell a service, to have a program, to to take people through to take people through a process, right? So awesome. I developed this whole process, and now I take I take others through this process so that they don't stay in everybody else's shadow, so that they don't stay in obscurity, yeah, uh, so that they can do bigger things in the world.
0: I love it. And the final step.
1: So the final step is compelling others to action. And, and what that comes down to is your ability to ask and ask effectively. So, so what we talked about before was the fact that if you ask directly and you know somebody and you've just met somebody, it very, very rarely works. Mm-hmm. If you come to someone because it's engaging the fight or flight response and that's right. the direct form of asking. But there's three other ways to think about asking and it spells the word dime so you have your direct and then you have your i which is your indirect and in an indirect ask what you do is you present the problem to the other person and you ask them do they have any ideas as Mm -hmm. to helping you solve the problem and if you say to somebody do you have any ideas very few people will say no because who wants to admit that they have no ideas
0: (laughs) i love that again psychological
1: Right? Exactly. So what it does as well, just on a physiological level, is it takes the brain out of fight or flight and moves it into the level of reasoning. Mm-hmm. Because when somebody presents you with a problem, you can't just say yes or no to the problem. It's like if you get an open end, and you can't just say yes or no. Yeah. So you have to start to get creative. And I, I like to say that you limit the things you get in life when you limit other people's creativity. So, so if you're limiting somebody's creativity by saying, like, I want this thing for you, or I'm looking for this thing for you or make this introduction for me, you're not giving them the opportunity to be creative in solving the problem. Whereas if you change the language just slightly and you say, do you think it makes sense for me to talk to this person?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: instantly their creativity goes into effect and they say, you know what, this person is not the right person for you to talk to. You should talk to this person instead. And now you've just saved yourself from uh, an awkward interaction where you asked for an introduction. They knew it wasn't right for you. So they told you no, but you feel like, oh, that person's being mean to me because they're not making that intro.
0: Very, very interesting. What's the M?
1: The M is the mutually beneficial and in a mutually beneficial ask you take the time ahead of time to basically study what it is that the value is going to be on both sides. So you take the time ahead of time to go and figure out, okay, this is how this is going to work. So let's say it was a sponsorship scenario. You research this company and who their target client is. And when you go to them to present the sponsorship, you don't say, Hey, we would like a sponsorship for X amount of dollars. You say I've in the research that I've done for your company, I noticed that this audience is your target audience and that they tend to be, uh, they tend to buy from you and their lifetime customer value from what I've seen in some of the articles is $5,000. So I've put together an opportunity for you to basically be in front of 75 of these, of these people and it's a $10,000 sponsorship. So what I've done is now I've done all the math for you. And I've basically got you thinking about the numbers of the whole scenario. So now you can see how both parties would benefit. So you're much more likely to consider the offer than if I just came to you and said, hey, will you give me a sponsorship?
0: That's really, really so much more than most people probably do. Yes, just like, hey, can you help me with this? Do yep. you think you can help me with this? Do you know anybody who does this?
1: Exactly. Yeah, exactly. What's the e? it- Uh, So the E is the extraordinary. And the extraordinary ask is the ask that you ask yourself. So in the extraordinary ask, what you do is you say to yourself, who is somebody who I think I could never reach out to? Or what is something that I think is just impossible for me? And then you go for whatever that thing is. So because there's tons of people out there who they read a book or they listen to a podcast and they basically say, well, I'd never reach out to them because they're too busy or that person will never respond to me because they're too popular or whatever. And they join that long line of people who basically don't get the opportunity to ever interact with that person. Now, here's the most interesting thing about that. When you reach out to somebody at a really, really high level, Most people are reaching out because they believe in the deus ex machina. They're reaching out and they're asking a direct question. They're asking the person for something directly. So if you're the person who comes to them with an indirect ask or a mutually beneficial, you automatically stand out from everybody else because you're creating interest and opening up a conversation with this person as opposed to going to them and making them feel like a slot machine. Mm
0: -hmm. I love that so much because, and I like that you said most people are scared to reach out to that person that's at a much higher level than them for that reason. They're like, oh, this person will never answer me. Yep. So I always say, just why not try? But you're actually adding something huge to that, which is try, but do it this way.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Try. But, you know, make it uh, a lot of people talk about sort of if I could just get my foot in the door or, you know, they they want access. Right. They're like, I want access to this person. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, But ultimately, it's not about the access. It's about the interest. If you can basically get somebody interested in whatever it is that you put out there, they'll come to you. So if you do that outreach and you create enough interest in that outreach, you're pulling the thread of conversation and you're getting them to start a conversation with you, which can lead to opportunities. Whereas if you just kind of reach out and you do like one, you know, quick kind of cash grab moment with with these people, they're probably going to ignore you because everybody else is coming to them and asking them for something immediately.
0: Totally. Totally. So if I wanted to reach out and get like Tim Ferriss on my podcast, (laughs) I know what I need to do now.
1: Yeah, you know, you you look at the fact that Tim is obsessed with experimentation, and you figure out, okay, what is some kind of interesting experiment that you're doing or something that you're creating that would really resonate with wherever he is right now. He's probably writing something on his blog about something that he's testing out or something that or he's his people are
0: <laughs>
1: exactly. So, if you're able to reach out and create this, like, really you know, high level of curiosity, he may say, Oh, you know what, I need to talk about that. Mm-hmm. Nobody else is letting me talk about yeah, that.
0: Yeah. yeah. And if people are out there listening, and they want to get like that big fish client, or, you know, get access to like somebody special in their business. This is a great approach. I love this. Thank how you. how has this changed your life? And I don't mean just by the fact that you were able to create small pond enterprises and help other people with this system, but personally, how has it changed your life?
1: I mean, it's just it completely uh, has made it. Uh, it's put everything in in stark clarity i you know uh for a very very long time i was always kind of running around with my uh, like a chicken with my head cut off
0: uh, <laughs> like the majority it, of of the population of the world <laughs> exactly
1: you know and and in the theater world i was always you know i was I, I was a great producer uh and i was a great general manager because i was good at being the calm in the eye of the storm mm, mm-hmm. um but i was always running around uh you you, you would never find me just kind of sitting still, right? right? Mm-hmm. Um, and whether that be you know I was the same when I was a teacher and all these different types of things. And what this process has done for me has it's helped me be significantly clearer on what is for me and what's not for me, which then gives me back my time. That's awesome. The ability to which say no you need
0: and- a lot more time now with the new baby.
1: Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> a lot more time. So now, you know, at what age will you be
0: teaching your child this system? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll, you know, seven. I mean, yeah,
1: you know, it's, uh, as soon as she's able to start uh, comprehending some of this stuff, I will. Uh, <laughs> I, I will be sort of planting the seeds.
0: <laughs> she's gonna be a powerhouse kid. Wow. <laughs> Wow. So what an amazing set of information um, for people to take away today. Like, do you have any final thoughts for people who might be well connected? They really want to get to that point where they're feeling successful themselves. Any final thoughts?
1: Sure. Uh, The thing I always say is that the keys to all the doors that you need open are in other people's pockets. So Mm -hmm. it's your job to develop the kinds of relationships that get people to be willing to and happy to hand you those keys. So so whatever it is that you're struggling with right now, whatever it is that's not working, there is somebody out there who has already accomplished it or solved that problem or has has the ability to solve that problem. Don't be afraid to reach out. And vulnerability creates connection. So don't be afraid to reach out to people who maybe are a little bit ahead of you and let them know what you're trying to accomplish and let them know that you're not there yet. Uh, a lot of people sort of play this like fake it till you make it game and all this other BS. And and ultimately, it's more about letting people know where you are because we people love to be helpful for the most part. Mm-hmm. We love to be put in the position of the hero. So let people know what you're trying to yeah. accomplish.
0: But be careful who you approach, too, because yeah. if that person's competitive and you have a great idea and you're like, I'm not really sure how to how to accomplish this. But I see that you've done X, Y, Z. And so I want to take that and use that, to, you know, towards what I'm trying to do. And they're like, Ooh, good idea. And then they go. They have more resources than you do. And then you get left in the dust.
1: <laughs> yeah, you have to be careful about sort of putting that, you know, putting that stuff out there. Yeah.
0: Um, I mean, and that's yeah. such a Hollywood thing, too. Like a lot of people yeah. get their ideas stolen.
1: Yeah, and you know ultimately what it comes down to is uh, it's it's all about the execution as opposed to, as opposed to the idea because we can't copyright an idea, right? That's mm-hmm. that's why if you go and you pitch, you know, uh, if you pitch a TV show or, or something like or something like that, you have no recourse if they if if they decide not to work with you and go and create a similar show because nobody can copyright and sort of protect an idea. We can yep. only protect the execution yeah, of it. Yeah. Yeah. So protect your execution. Which is
0: why there are pitch fees. <laughs> exactly. Like, give me $10,000 and I'll give you my idea. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Wow. This this was such an amazing show because you should see my paper right now, Michael. Like, I, I'm using a purple pen. I mean, there's just, like, purple all over the damn place. And this is awesome stuff. And I'm really going to take this and start implementing this. I know a lot of people, and I haven't reached out to them. I haven't been cultivating those connections and getting past the point of being a giver and and really, really getting it to that next level and helping myself, too. So I'm sure there's so many people who relate to this out there listening. And I want to say thank you for sharing.
1: Yeah, my, my absolute pleasure. It was uh, it was really, really fun talk, talking through all this. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You guys out there listening, you ladies out there listening, if you want help with your business, taking it to the next level and getting to that success place, reach out to Michael and his consulting company, smallpondenterprises.com, and also be sure to hear him on his Access to Anyone podcast. Michael, thank you again.
1: Thanks again for having me.
0: Have a great topic you'd like to hear discussed on an upcoming episode of Nothing Off Limits? Email us at ideas at ladyfoxentertainment.com. In the meantime, please subscribe, rate the show, and go to ladyfoxentertainment.com to sign up for our email list and to check out our resources page. Thanks so much for listening. Talk to you next time.